Here's a word to get used to. It's an acronym. THWAD. The Hilarious World of Depression. You're going to hear us say THWAD a lot today. Doc says there's something wrong with me. I got a sadness I can't shake now. Is there something I can't take now? It's the hilarious world of depression. I'm John Moe, and I am the host of the show. But I don't really think of myself like that very much. I just consider myself a member of the greater community of people connected to the show. Listeners, social media participants, interview subjects, fans of those interview subjects, producers, engineers, it's all THWAD. Not even THWAD Nation, because we hear from folks all over the world. We are all part of THWAD Planet. Or Planet THWAD? Yeah, that sounds better. We're all part of Planet THWAD. On this episode, some friendly reunions with some of the voices you've heard on our program and updates on how they're doing and how the show has made a difference to them. Also, a chance to get some cool socks. More on that later. Gary Goleman is a hugely popular, smart, and funny comedian. He does big shows, highly respected among other comics. He's also dealt with depression for years, and it's been really severe at times. When I interviewed him in 2017, he was doing better than he had been, but not exactly doing well. He was coming off an episode so severe that he couldn't work and he could barely function. I made uh, significant changes to my life based on my mood and, and condition um, in that uh, my lease ran out at the end of June, this past June, and I moved back to uh, Peabody and moved into my mother's house. I, I didn't, during May uh, and April, I was so far down and so ill that I couldn't imagine looking for a new apartment in New York. And I didn't know whether I was going to be able to do uh, comedy again. I didn't know whether I was going to earn a living. So I, I made arrangements to um, let my lease expire and move back in because I wasn't going to be able to um, support myself. I caught up with Gary again just the other day. He was in New York, and he sounded pretty different. The last year has been incredible. It's been, I feel terrific. I feel excellent. I've, I've done a lot of things. I've worked. I've, since I saw you probably put together another 90 minutes of new material, a lot of it focusing on my, my recovery and my, my depression itself, but then also the, the recovery in the hospital and different treatments that I, that I tried. And I just, I, I feel great. You say you've been working on material related to depression and recovery. Has has yes. that been therapeutic? Yes. Kind of getting that that story told for you. So therapeutic, and I and I think partially my interview that I did with with you. I after that I started to get feedback from people who who thanked me for talking about depression, and and at first I thought, well. It wasn't. It wasn't such a difficult thing, and, and um, I appreciate you thanking me, but I, I don't see any any real contribution. But then, as I started to talk about it on stage, I would meet people after the show, and and they would give me this this incredible feedback and and thank me. And it was what I'm saying is that I got a great reward for 
for talking about it in that people would laugh and people would connect and people would come up to me afterwards. So when, when people say that it must have been very difficult for you, it would have been difficult if people had told me to stop or if people had been really negative about it or uncomfortable with it. But, but people were so positive and encouraging with it that, that it, was, it, it, it was very easy to talk about. And it was, it, was, it was a revelation that I could have such an effect through my comedy that my observational comedy was, was popular, but the, the stuff about the depression seems to have reached people on a, on a deeper level. And, it, and it's, been, it's been really satisfying, gratifying, and, and redemptive in many ways. Has it been strange that a complete stranger can come up to you and say, so how's it, are you still living with your mom? How's this particular <laughs> sad episode of your life? Like, oh my gosh. That, the boundaries, has that been weird? Yeah, the, the boundaries have come down, but, but I, I don't mind it at, at this level. Maybe if it got to the point where people were stopping me on the street, uh-huh. it would be, it would be <laughs> troublesome. But after the show, I, I've sort of made a, made a, a, a pact and a connection with the, with the people and, and opened up to them, and they feel safe and comfortable opening up to me. I, you mentioned something that's, that's significant also. I, I've moved back to New York. I moved out of my mom's house, and uh, that happened in, in May of, of 2018, and I, and I got an apartment with my girlfriend who, who was in the hotel room when we did that interview. Sure. We're still yeah. together, and she's okay. the, the MVP of my, of my life, really, because she was so patient and went to every doctor's appointment and visited me in the hospital every day. So, yeah, we got a place in in Harlem that we we love and we're we're, we're so happy. I, I I'm I'm so grateful. It's I I know my my recovery isn't miraculous, but it feels miraculous because I I had lost hope. I had lost hope for so long. I often look back and I and I really I, I feel so bad for that guy who was experiencing that because just every aspect of my day is so much easier. Just. Getting getting down here was was so much easier. I was on time. I was always late for things when I was when I was depressed, and and I would be late and unshowered and unshaven and in and in clothes that that weren't pressed or or ironed, and and just everything about me was was really sad to to live through and experience. And I'm sure people. I remember my my brother saying when I first came home to my mom's house, he 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 wanted to. He wanted to cry when he saw me. He said my my hair was disheveled. I was shaking. I I was um, th- there was this sort of moan or groan I would do based on my anxiety and my in my stomach that I, that was very difficult. I, I would bite my lip until it until it bled frequently, so my mouth would would be filled with with blood a lot. And the the one thing that my girlfriend told me, and I, I don't remember this because my, my psychiatrist had said that d- depression, a lot of doctors refer to it as faux dementia, where you, your memory is very poor during these periods of time. She said, all you really were doing was, was sleeping and crying. first time I interviewed Gary, it was much more the disheveled Gary that he just described. His speech was slower, more ums and uhs. And he was in this hotel in New York because he was still living with his mom in Massachusetts. So he was in New York visiting, and he was there with two Cavalier King Charles Spaniels he loved a lot. How are the dogs? Uh, sadly, um, I lost the my younger dog on on August twentieth. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, that that really 
that really shook me for for a few weeks. I mean, and while I didn't fall to the depths that I had in my in my at my lowest point, I I did I did start to have some of the symptoms that that came with my depression and and blaming myself and feeling guilty and and sleeping a lot and and luckily I went to my psychiatrist and I told him and 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 because I wanted to ward it off because I, I, I one thing one positive thing from the from the length of my last episode I've become hyper vigilant about my my mood and my symptoms and so I went to him early on after my dog passed away and he increased my my um, deloxetine by 20 milligrams and within a week I started to feel my, myself again. I was still sad about my, my dog, but I wasn't blaming myself and, and sleeping 10 or 12 hours and, and ruminating on it. So it was, it was really helpful and, and that was, that was a, a, a great lesson that I, that I learned from my, my, my depression last time that, that I, I think I'm better equipped to, to withstand the, the ups and downs now. You talked about um, how you're developing all this material. 90 minutes of material in a year is like, that's like the stand-up equivalent of Moby Dick, basically. Yeah, right? it's, it's, it's really extraordinary because that was one of the things that was killing me for the two and a half years that I was, that I was um, acutely depressed was that I couldn't write anything. I didn't write five minutes. I didn't come up yeah. with five minutes. And, and I've, I've flourished. How do you take such a miserable, soul-crushing, uh, like dead inside experience like that, and and get wacky laughs from it? The, I, I think it's. I'm, I'm trying to look for the for the word. The, the excess, often associated with with depression. The excess sleeping. The excess eating. The excess. Of of um, critical thoughts, the the ridiculousness of of some of your thoughts that you actually believe out, outside of depression, or if somebody uh, even when you are depressed, I've I've found, and this is just from audience members, even if you are depressed, to hear somebody talk about these these outrageous symptoms and and actions. You you take while you are depressed. They're they're hilarious. They're cartoonish, and then when you find out you're not alone, it, it in in these feelings, in these ideas, in these thoughts, in these things that you do to cope, and the things that you do because of the the, the depression. It, it there there's a, a a release of of tension that that you've that you've been having for for so long. You think you're. And you are crazy, but you're not alone and crazy. So, yeah, I, I, I think it, I think that's that's part of it, and, and and that's not scientific or philosophical. It's it's just a maybe a, a hunch. Um, you've been touring. How is that going with with mental stability and, and recovery? Yeah, I mean, the last time I toured, I would get to wherever I was going. I would go to sleep and then wake up, um, and then go to the show. And and now I exercise i get a a vegan meal in in wherever I'm, I'm going and even in des moines iowa i was able to find one and so i but I it's just, served with beef in des also. <laughs> beef broth yes it's, yeah, it's a beef, beef broth, broth and gravy. it's a meat-based vegan meal <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so i i mean i used to only sleep on the road and i would never see any city that i was in and i would of course never 
have the energy to meet up with with friends and and now that's what i that's what i do i when i was in dc for for a, a show i went down a couple days went to the museums and met up with friends and and it's just a a completely different experience i'm getting much more out of my out of my life now i have a life before i was just I was just somehow muddling through, and then in yeah. in many cases not even muddling through. So the the road I've really enjoyed. Gary Gullman, I'm so happy for you, and thanks for being with us again. Oh, thanks for having me, and, I, and I'm I'm thrilled to be able to to report that I that I am in a so much better place. And I and I can't thank you enough because I really believe that our our interview and and our discussion and also the feedback I got from from the, the hilarious world audience was was so helpful and and really propelled me to to go even deeper into talking about my my depression the, the feedback I got was was invaluable so thank you I, I can't thank you enough I'm I'm so grateful coming up we have updates from NPR's Linda Holmes comedian Janelle James and an invisible frenemy who got a little famous from our show First, though, we need to tell you about a way you can help the show and get some cool stuff at the same time. I'm joined by Chrissy Pease. You might know her from the credits where I always say our producer is Chrissy Pease. Hello, Chrissy Pease. Hi, John Mo. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Microphones. Uh. <laughs> um, you know, we talk a lot about different ways people address depression on this show, and uh, we kind of try to dispel the myth that it's easily solved or or simply solved that that you know you're just one big achievement away from wiping it all out or one pill or one book or one new therapist that's not really how it works it tends to be a kind of trial and error thing you you try different things you try to find something that works for you one thing we do know is that talking about it helps and learning different people's strategies knowing that what you're going through is not completely unique and nobody's ever gone through it before knowing that you're not alone yeah and that is what you get when you listen to the hilarious world of depression when you listen to thwad and when you donate this december we will give you something to help you feel even less alone it's an enamel pin that says thwad. And you've heard John say thwad, thwad, thwad balls a lot. And I don't think we've ever actually explained it. It may be pretty self-explanatory yeah. if you think about it. T-H-W-O-D. Yeah, lowercase o for Lowercase o. We respect the AP style. Get that pin. It says Thwad, the hilarious world of depression. When you wear this pin, you know, someone might ask what it means. What the heck is THWAD? And that's a chance to have a really open, honest conversation with someone about mental health. Or maybe you'll run into someone who's wearing that pin or who already knows what it means. You'll spot another THWAD ball out there. So that again, that pin is yours with a donation of any amount before December 31st. Yeah, I mean, and it's not like we're we're going to paint your car with thwad colors. It's just a small thing. And again, available at any amount, but it's a sort of reflection that we are part of a thing greater than any single one of us. We're part of this opening of conversations, this awareness, this uh, this sort of straight talk about depression that we think has been a long time coming. So that, again, at any amount, the thwad enamel pin is yours. Support the show you love and get that pin to, to show your pride. You can head on over to hilariousworld.org slash donate and you can get a look at that pin and get a look at some of the other uh, wonderful gifts that we have available for you. Thank you so much. 
Linda Holmes is a voice familiar to public radio listeners. You hear her on several NPR shows talking about pop culture and as host of the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. Depression and even more so anxiety have been part of Linda's life for a long time. But when I talked to her, when I interviewed her the first time, these were topics that she hadn't talked about publicly all that much. That said, she did it really well. When I'm having what I, I think of as like anxiety brain, what it feels like to me is that I am inside a little house with anxiety brain. It's just me and anxiety brain and we're in the house and I cannot get away from it. And rational brain still exists and I can hear it, but it's outside and it's pounding on the it's pounding on the doors and the windows, <laughs> trying to get through with a rational explanation of why what I'm worrying about doesn't make any sense. And once I eventually addressed all of this and now being on medication for it, it's the other way around. I still hear anxiety brain. It's still there. And there are times when it's still trying to get in. But I am more in the house with rational brain. And so I'm more able to kind of stay in that place, if that makes sense. Linda had tried therapy for a while, but she had just started medication. And I asked her how that was going. It's going well. I think, um, you know, I think the last time I talked to you was right around the beginning of uh, 2018. And, and mm -hmm. it was, um, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where you don't necessarily see massive changes over that time as much as you say, like, yes, OK, I'm settled into this. Now it's more of a problem of logistics, like remembering to get my prescription filled and yes. stuff. Yes. Um, and it just becomes kind of a drag in that way. But it's still um, been really helpful. And, and I haven't had any kind of like issues continuing to settle into that. So still really positive. Fingers crossed. Really positive. <laughs> yeah. With meds, it's sometimes a matter of thinking back on what hasn't happened rather than noticing big events. It's like, oh, I haven't been sobbing uncontrollably in a closet or screaming alone for a while. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't cry at work very often. Um and it's with me, a lot of it is the things like, oh, it's been a really long time since um, I had to go home to see if I had turned the, the stove off. Things like that for me um, are big. So when I realize I definitely used to have a really hard time sometimes leaving the house in the morning because I'd have to make sure that the water wasn't running three times and mm -hmm. make sure that the stove wasn't on three times and the coffee was coffee pot wasn't on. Um, all of those things have been really helped by the the anxiety being treated. So when I realize that those things haven't happened, it's really comforting. I used to have this thing where I, I would get to the car and then like, oh, am I sure I left the radio on because I want to leave the radio on to deter burglars? And I got to yeah. think that any decent burglar out there would just be like, Oh, they just turned the radio on. I, I know how this works. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how I was able to let go of that one. Yeah, I don't think it's it's burglar proofing, but like for a really long time before I could fall asleep at night, I would have to take my wallet out and make sure that I hadn't lost like my credit cards. And mm. I don't know how I got into that habit, but I would have to do it every night before I went to bed. Um, and uh, I don't do that anymore. And I, I am very grateful. I don't question it. I'm just really happy that that doesn't happen. After that came out, did what kind of reactions did you get from people who heard it? Really 
I got a lot of really positive and lovely um, comments from people. I still continue to, from time to time, get tweets from people. It's also something where, interestingly enough, um, people who work here at NPR, including some people that I didn't know all that well, would come up to me at work in the hall in person and sort of quietly say, oh, I listened to that episode and I really um, got a lot out of it. And I think... It is true that sometimes people have a really different life from yours, and it seems like they don't, you know, your experiences certainly don't map onto theirs. But I think sometimes you describe your own thinking in a way that resonates with people about how they would describe their own thinking or the thinking of someone that they know. And it's not that you have exactly the same experiences. It's that you come up with, you know, um, I, I'm a very enthusiastic metaphorist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm always I'm always trying to find the right way to explain what's happening to me. So when I describe anxiety as being like being locked in a house with the the anxiety voice and the real voice is outside. Yes. A lot of people relate to that. And it doesn't really matter whether their anxiety is about the same things as mine. But the idea that you, you know your non-anxious self still exists you just can't they just can't get to you um that kind of thing resonates with people i think even if their experiences are really different yeah yeah um was there any kind of hesitation of i mean it's great that people are are responding to what i said i'm glad i'm helping people but was there sort of like oh we've crossed a line of uh of privacy and intimacy that i maybe didn't expect to run into by the copy machine Yes, most definitely. There were those moments. There were also moments where I thought like, oh, what if someday I have to get to try to get health insurance and now everybody knows that I've been on medication and I've had treatment like for real. It's a it's a concern for people and it's a concern for other people about being honest about their experiences. I have had those moments, but at the same time, I have benefited so much from the generosity of people who have had similar experiences to this and talked about them before I did. And I know that I talked about this with you before, but um, if you look at somebody like Rob Delaney, who's been talking about depression and um, and grief. addiction yeah. uh, and now grief following the death of his son, um, has been really publicly talking about those things for a long time. Um, I find that so valuable that I don't think it's an opportunity that I want to say no to, even though I have sometimes qualms about it. Yeah. And then I understand that you've... Uh, since last we talked anyway, since right around the last time we talked, that you've had somebody new come into your life. Yes. And everyone who, look, if you follow me on Twitter, if you follow (laughs) me on Instagram, you know about this dog. Uh, I acquired a dog. I adopted uh, a dog who was a rescue from Spain. He is part Spanish greyhound and part whippet. So he's like a 35-pound, really skinny little dog. Um, his name is Brian, which is the name that he had when I got him. It's I don't know why he's named Brian. Um, and uh, he he lives with me in my apartment. And, uh, you know, we have we have fun watching TV together and going on walks and things like that. Has it helped your mental health? For sure. Absolutely. I think I think pets uh, do genuinely release chemicals in your brain. And I know that there's research that has has um, substantiated that. But if you've ever had an animal climb up on you on the couch and sort of fall asleep on you, it has a certain physical effect that to me is really easy to 
to identify um, when he comes up and he has a way of sort of um, curling up in like a donut shape right behind my knees when I'm lying on the couch. And uh, it's just a very relaxing thing that's not quite <laughs> like any other relaxing thing. Yeah. Uh, it also it also for me has a lot of secondary effects. It gets me going on more walks in my neighborhood, which is always good for, I think, almost anybody. Um, it gets me to know more people in my building. Now, I know a lot of dog parents in my building because my dog plays with their dog. I may not know their name. I may only know the dog's name. Um like, you know, I may know, you know, that's that's uh, Louie's mom or whatever. But um, but I know more people. It, it has a bunch of really positive effects. Plus, he just looks great in pictures. Just great. He's so photogenic. <laughs> he He's does just photograph well. Yeah, he is the best dog. He really just is the best dog. Um, and, and finally, since you are in the biz, it's very important to support your favorite uh, public broadcasting shows, isn't it, Linda Holmes? Absolutely it is. I have to say, even if your favorite public broadcasting shows are podcasts, uh, the infrastructure tends to be the same. Our producer was trained on radio shows. Our microphones are used for radio shows. Our studios are used for radio shows. So the ways to support our podcast is to support public radio. We tell people that all the time, and I'm sure that's true of, of this podcast as well. I think it is. Linda Holmes, thanks. Thank you, John. Wow, dogs are coming up more often in this episode than I expected. It's unintentional, but dogs are great. This program has a pro-dog bias. If you have the capacity in your world to get a dog, go ahead and go do that, especially a rescue dog, because they're very good dogs. Yes, they are. Oh, yes, they are. The Hilarious World of Depression is supported by Health Partners and by MakeItOK.org. Make It OK is a campaign to start conversations and stop the stigma surrounding mental illnesses, not just depression, all kinds of mental illnesses. We enjoy having a lot of laughs here on this show. It's a way of dealing with depression, maybe demystifying depression a little bit, making it not so scary. But let's not kid ourselves. It's a serious illness. The good news is that people can and do recover. They get help. And that's why we need to make it okay to talk openly about depression and mental illnesses. That can be an awkward conversation. But MakeItOK.org is full of information you can use, like what to say, what not to say, and stories from people who tell you what it's like to live with depression, anxiety, and other mental illnesses. Go to MakeItOK.org where you can take the pledge to make it okay. Thanks so much to Health Partners and to Make It Okay for joining us in fighting stigma so we can all get better. Just ahead, we have the latest from comedian Janelle James and from an invisible guy no one likes. First, I'm here with producer Chrissy Pease, who everyone likes, reminding you that your financial support is not only crucial to our show, it can also lead to fabulous prizes. More on those prizes in a bit. But first, when you listen to this podcast, you get a chance to hear real people, people you care about, people whose work you followed, people who you admire. Talk about navigating their mental health. Uh, you'll hear stories that reflect how many of us feel but haven't been able to articulate. I mean, that's how I came to produce Thwad. I heard uh, John Moe talk about depression and mental illnesses on a show I used to work on, All Things Considered, at NPR News. And I was listening and I just said, my gosh, he is saying these things in a way I haven't been able to in the 15 years I've been dealing with this. I sent it to my parents. I said, listen to this. You will understand better. 
it stuck with me. Uh, it reminded me I'm not alone. And ultimately, that's what we're trying to do here. We are trying to you know, stop that idea that having a mental illness or multiple mental illnesses is something that's wrong or, or, or something you're doing wrong. Yeah. What led to this show was just this idea that if we don't talk about it, it gets worse. Mm-hmm. And we have mouths and tongues. So let's let's talk about it some more. And it's been a really powerful thing just seeing the reaction to it and seeing how many conversations that it's engendered and seeing really how many people who are very famous, you know, who have nothing. to We don't pay guests to be <laughs> on the show who have nothing to gain from being on the show, still want to come in and talk about it and, and open up up this conversation, drag it out into the sunlight. It's it's wonderful what's happening with the show. But shows do cost dollars to make, and it's your donations that make this show possible. We have heard from a lot of thwadballs as over the course of doing this show, and once in a while, once a year or so, we just do a special episode where we say, hey, you know, dollars help. Dollars make this possible. Dollars make more shows. So We're just asking you to do your part by giving what you can today. Uh, If you become a monthly donor, it's really convenient. We'll just set that up. You don't even have to worry about it. And also socks. Socks, Chrissy Pees. I'm wearing them right now. Yeah. I mean, who hasn't been out there wearing shoes thinking, I wish my feet were more comfortable? And I wish they were decorative. And I wish that the the decorative foot protectors spread a message of openness about mental illness. Well, good news. Today is your lucky day. Today is your lucky day. Your feet will thank you. At the $5 a month level, you get a pair of hilarious World of Depression socks. And uh, I, I was a little mystified when someone said, hey, we want to make socks for your show. I'm like, but what? But these are beauties. I really like them. I mean, pulling back the curtain a little bit. It took a lot of work to make these socks. Oh, design meetings. I mean, pictures, emails, rankings, changes. Yeah. Those teardrops are too big. Those teardrops are too small. Yeah. Less black, more orange, more orange, more black, whatever it was. Anyway. Anyway, we've arrived at them and these socks are beauties. You can go check these out. And they're yours at the $5 a month level, hilariousworld.org slash donate, because it's about time your ankles knew how important it is to be open about mental illness as well. $5 a month, hilariousworld.org slash donate. The first time I interviewed Janelle James, I think she didn't quite know what to make of me. Janelle was in from New York. She was playing a series of dates at a comedy club in Minneapolis and recording an album there. And then suddenly she was in St. Paul in a studio with me talking about her anxiety and depression and postpartum depression. I mean, we got along great, but it may have been a bit uncomfortable for her. I've talked with people who have done have become super achievers mm-hmm. in order to uh, kind of outrun their depression to, to like say, if I've achieved all these things, if I got into this school yeah. or if I got this club or if I made this movie, nobody who's doing those successful things could possibly be depressed. People who are depressed can't do those things. Right. I did those things. Therefore, I'm not depressed. Get out of my head. And then- <laughs> <laughs> 
Janelle's been touring a lot since then, lately opening for Amy Schumer. I caught up with her on a day off in New York. She's doing great, and she told me all about her tactical use of denial. Did you end up revealing more than you expected to? So, honestly, I never listen to it. I just, <laughs> I never listen when I do podcasts because I'm just, like, mortified. So I'm sure I did. Oh. But the reason I even came back on was I've never gotten so much feedback from, like, almost anything I've ever done. So Really? And just, like, really nice emails about people just, like, it, just really nice emails. So I was like, well, cool. That's cool. I'm, I'm always glad if I f- feel like I did something to make people feel good. But you, ha- you yourself— have not been changed by listening to the podcast because you've never listened to the podcast. I never listened to it. I knew I said too much. I didn't want to know. Wow. Well, well. so <laughs> now I don't want to tell you what you said. I mean, uh... <laughs> <laughs> what kind? What kind of things have people said when they've approached you about it? Oh, that they they handle things just like me and that uh, that I inspired them to start pursuing whatever it is they wanted to pursue because, you know, that and uh, despite whatever was holding them back, stuff like that. So I must have been really inspiring. No. <laughs> if only there was some way that you could figure out. Ah, uh, gosh, I just, what is it, on a computer or something? Yeah, it's on, it's on a computer. <laughs> it comes on a CD-ROM. You install it. <laughs> Need to be running Windows ninety five. I'm sorry. Like, is that a? Is that a? What's the word I'm thinking of? Is that a uh, rude that I didn't listen? I never listen to any. I haven't watched anything or or listened to anything I've ever done. I talk to enough people with anxiety and fear that isn't that part of it at least that uh, Look, first just of a all, dread. You're not gonna trap me like ah. the last time. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> With your soothing voice. No. Right. Uh, Welcome to yeah, public sure. radio, Janelle James. I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's part of it, of course. So, um, so like TV, anything, you have a Netflix thing on. You've never I watched that? I have not watched it. Wow. Yep. Just, just the ones that have, like, I'm scrolling and, it, and it's on someone's page and then I scroll very fast. <laughs> I've seen snippets. Have you have you done that thing where you're on Netflix and then you accidentally arrive at your show and then you get the yes. unwanted preview and you're shouting at yes. yourself? <laughs> when you were in, in Minneapolis, uh, when, when last we spoke, you recorded uh, an album, right? Yeah. Yep. Have you listened to it? Uh, have I listened to it? Well, yeah, well, that I had to listen to because I was in on the editing and stuff like that. I was going to say. So I had to listen. Yeah, yeah. And, I, yeah, I'm type A in that way in that I have to, yeah, I have to know what product I'm putting out. But so, yeah, I listened to that. Okay, I'm beginning to piece this uh, this particular mosaic of anxiety together here. So <laughs> you can listen to it when it's all you and it's something under your control. When it's in my control. Exactly. Ah. I don't want to hear other people's interpretation of me. Okay. <laughs> as long as no other opinions ever enter your life, you're about yourself. You got it. You're safe and secure. <laughs> You've made a little anxiety fort for yourself, Janelle James. You know, I don't really like the tone of your voice right now. <laughs> I feel judgment. I feel... <laughs> I feel like you think you know me, and mm. actually you're not even in the room. So. Okay, okay. Well, 
last time you were on, not that you would know this, but you told me to get out of your head because I started figuring out too many things. So you, you caught me at the door to your head. I'm once again worming my way in. Ah, God damn it. Janelle James, thank you so much. Thank you. Won't listen to this one either. <laughs> Uh, Janelle, you're the best. <laughs> thank you so much. No, for real. Uh, thank you. And then thank you, everybody that wrote me. That made, it, it, it was great. That was Janelle James back again here with Chrissy Pease. You know, one of the great things about working on this show is we hear from so many of our listeners. I mean, every day we get amazing messages from you. You tell us that listening to the show helps you. You feel less alone. You feel more empowered to to talk about what you're going through with friends and family. Uh, and, you know, knowing that you're a part of this community of, of thwadballs, that you're you're not alone in this is helpful. You know what's helpful? Why we make the show? Laughter. Laughter. Laughter is a wonderful way to heal. Yeah, laughter is a great way to cope. It's shared experiences. It's the laughs that you have with people who've gone through the same things you have, and especially when you realize how, how ridiculous those things sometimes are. And that's what we do here. When you donate to support this show right now at the end of the year, uh, you not only support the program and help us make more shows, help us grow and sustain ourselves and keep keep the show strong, you can also get a T-shirt that we think is pretty funny. So this is a college-type T-shirt, but instead of saying Minnesota State or California State, it says depressed state. Of course, it's a gray t-shirt. It has to be a gray t-shirt. Orange lettering, it says depressed state. It has the logo of the show on the back. You can get this shirt at the $10 a month level. You can make your donation, keep this show going strong, and get a t-shirt along the way. Uh, You can also grab a uh, thwad pin. You can get the thwad socks while you're at it. Just go shopping around, won't you, at hilariousworld.com org slash donate help the show keep the show strong and get some fun stuff A while back, we did a show where we asked you, our listeners, for unusual tips and tricks that help you get through the day when your brain is making getting through the day a little more difficult. And we heard from Bree Traquere. She lives right here in St. Paul, Minnesota. Bree takes all her anxieties and forms an imaginary person separate from herself. And she named that person Steve. Before Steve, I would have these these thoughts where... um... For instance, I would be in a mall and I would think to myself, you know, what if what if you went to the third floor and you just jumped off the balcony? Um, and when Steve came into the picture, I was able to assign those thoughts to him instead. So when I'm at the mall and I hear, what if you went to the third floor and jumped off? It's not me who's thinking that it's Steve. And I can just say, Steve, that's a ridiculous, horrible idea. I don't know why anyone would do that. You, you need to go somewhere else. 
That episode brought some fame to Bree and to Steve, who, again, is an imaginary personification of Bree's anxiety. I'm joined in the studio now by Bree Traquere and um, probably to some extent by Steve. Always. Always. <laughs> Bree, how have you been? Um, I'm kind of afraid to say this out loud in case, like, Steve or my depression hears, but I'm actually doing really well. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, so it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> Recap for us how you developed the idea of personifying your anxiety and also naming him Steve. So when uh, when you have these intrusive thoughts or these terrible feelings, mental illness in general, there's a lot of, of guilt that comes with it and uh, feeling like it's all you and it's your fault and you have to deal with that on your own. But when you kind of separate the terrible things that you think and feel into another person, you can learn who you are without that and address it in a really effective way. You can talk to it as a person and fight it a little easier. And why again did you pick the name Steve? It just seems like a really annoying name and I'm so sorry. Sorry <laughs> all that. Steves. Yeah, yeah, I love I love other Steves, uh, but not not this guy and yeah. <laughs> Well, the name Steve always and again, I'm so sorry Steves. <laughs> Has always had an association for me of like seventies guys with Trans Ams. Yeah, would be named Steve. Yes, Steve. I am so sorry. <laughs> really apologize. And Stevens as well, or Stephanie's. Really, anybody within the greater Steve universe, the Steveverse, the Unisteve, as it were. <laughs> um, you told us about this on one of the first of what we called our placebo episodes, which ended up being such big hits that we kind of incorporated them into the the regular season of the show. And that was like a year and a half ago, I think. Yeah, yeah. How have uh, how has Steve been in that time? How has Steve evolved in in the time since then? He's getting a little bit of a big head because he's quite popular. <laughs> really? Have you heard yeah. from people about Steve? It's, it's it's wild. People will find me on Twitter, on Facebook, um, <laughs> and like send me messages, tell me about their own Steves, <laughs> where they came from. It's amazing. Do they all call them Steve? No, no. But I have a few that also have named them Steve, uh-huh. but they, they like to clarify, you know, it's not it's not your Steve. This Steve comes from, you know, this character from, yeah, it's fantastic. Has your anxiety been diminished or addressed in some way by, by being very public about your Steve? I don't, I don't know if it's diminished, um, but I do think that I, it's easier to find people who understand it a little more. Um, I do have a lot of friends who will notice that I'm feeling pretty anxious or or haven't heard from me in a while. And, and they'll ask about, like, how's Steve doing? And it's it's sort of a, a gateway to talk about how I am doing mentally, which uh-huh. has been really cool. Is it off-putting in any way that strangers are tracking you down on the Internet to talk <laughs> about your innermost anxieties and concerns and chronic mental illnesses? Uh, it's... It, it was a little bit scary at first just because I feel like, you know, I'm not a professional uh, uh, therapist or anything like that. Um, but I do find that there's benefit in community for people who experience the same things. And, you know, uh, this acknowledgement that the things you're you're feeling or the way that you're treating it isn't super weird. Like it helps and you can feel better. So it's it's been nice. Have you heard 
things on the show from uh, other listeners or from some of the guests that we've done profile episodes on that has been helpful to you as your Steve has been helpful to others? It's always nice to hear people who I've just thought are purely hilarious um, talk about things that I've also experienced because there's, you know, even even people super successful who on the on the outside, you'd never guess they have these struggles. Mm -hmm. It it just yeah, like there's nothing weird about me. There's nothing weird about them. There's a connection that we can feel through shared experiences, I guess. Yeah, I I ran into that with the the John Green episode, especially as someone who writes books and tries to make things that people want to experience. I'm like, but it's impossible that he could have any troubles because he makes so much money. And I'm like, wait, listen to yourself. That's not how it works, as we always say. Yeah. And, And John Green, actually, he said something really great in his episode where he was talking about how there's this misconception that people with depression or anxiety, whatever, that they can create, they have to be in that space to create good art. But him pointing out that when he wasn't, when he wasn't getting treatment, he couldn't create anything. And there uh, that you don't have to remain in this place of misery mm-hmm. to do good work. You can actually do better work when you feel better. Brie Traquere from St. Paul, Minnesota. Thanks. It was nice to be here. Thank you. Thanks to Brie Traquere. Thanks to all of our guests. And thank you most of all to you, our listeners, our fellow residents of Planet Thwad. A reminder that you can donate at hilariousworld.org slash donate. We need that. We need you to, to show your support so we can keep this show strong, keep this show going, and keep bringing it to you. Hilariousworld.org slash donate. You can find the enamel pin available at the any dollar level, the socks available at the $5 a month level, and the depressed state t-shirt. Go saddies. That's available at the $10 a month level. The Hilarious World of Depression is produced by American Public Media. Our producer is Chrissy Pease. Christina Lopez is our web and social media helms person. Kate Moose is executive producer, technical director, Johnny Vince Evans. Our theme song was written and performed by Rhett Miller, and Rhett has a new album out called The Messenger. Go listen to that. If you need help, confidential help is available at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-8255. It's free, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 1-800-273-8255. The Hilarious World of Depression is supported by Health Partners and MakeItOK.org. MakeItOK is a campaign to start conversations and stop the stigma around mental illnesses. MakeItOK.org has information that can help you and your loved ones. Starting a conversation like that can be awkward, but MakeItOK has tips on what to say, what not to say, stories of hope from people who've been there. You can take the pledge to MakeItOK and MakeItOK.org. Hilariousworld.org is our web home. We're also on Twitter and come visit us on Facebook. A lot of great conversation happening over there with your fellow Thwadballs, residents of Planet Thwad. New shows being formed right there at Facebook. It's a good place to hang out. On our next episode, Naomi Ekparagan brings a lot of luggage into the studio. Or should I say baggage? It was actually the same year that I started Dalton, that was a school I went to, uh, that my father reappeared in my life. Mm. He had been gone a good five years. I had no idea where he went. 
I assumed, I would tell people if they asked, which wasn't frequently, I would say he died because I just didn't know. <laughs> so I was like, mm, probably that's what happened. Wow. Uh, so Yeah, I've given you a lot to unpack, John. I'm John Moe. Bye now. What if I was to tell you I'm Pagliacci? This great big smile is just for show. Sad clown, tell me something I don't know. Would you say I'm a sad clown? Tell me something I don't know.